This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. How is everybody tonight? Yes, all right. Well, we all have a big day. We're thankful. Very good. Thankful. That's the good. That's the way to be. Well, we all know that tomorrow's a big day for all of us. We uh, got to get ready to eat as much as we can without sinning. That's there's a fine line there, but you, you can do it. It's a very fine line. Uh, but praise God. You know, you're here on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. So either you're a fanatic or you got drugged here by a fanatic. But you're here and that's a big deal. So you're here to receive the word of God. Amen. Amen. And so tonight, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is this, is this topic. The title is, God is able. God is able. And, well, what's he able to do? Well, what is it that you need? You need a miracle? God is able to do it. You need some peace? God is able. You need healing? God is able. You know, if you're having car trouble, just an example, you have a lot of options. You can try to fix it yourself, or if you're like me, you'll decide that's not the best option. Uh, or you could take it to someone who is qualified and able to fix it. And a lot of us, we've got issues, man. We've got, we've got troubles that come our way. And we sit there trying to figure it out and fix it and work it and, and banging our head against the wall. Why is this not fixing? Why is this, what's going on here? Well, why don't you just stop right there and take it to someone who is able to fix it, who is able to handle it. And you need to realize that nobody is more able than our Heavenly Father. Is the doctor really more able to fix your health than Jesus is? Is the counselor really more able to sort you out than Jesus is? We're not against any of those people. But I'm telling you what, man, Jesus gets first shot at me. You understand that? A lot of times Jesus is not option A for many of us. He's, well, I tried this and I tried that. Well, let's talk to God about it. Well, God should not be third on the list, fourth on the list. He shouldn't even be second. We should take everything to him first because telling you what man no one's more able no one is more qualified than him with whatever the situation is and so let's go ahead we're going to open up in prayer and look at a few brief things here tonight uh, about how it is we can trust god to take care of our needs amen father in jesus name we thank you lord so much for uh, just all of the blessings that you've poured into our life god we we recognize that without you, Lord, we would not be here. We wouldn't have the things we have. But, Lord, that's not why we love you. We don't love you because you've given us things and done things for us. Lord, we love you because we love you. You're the creator. You're the great I am. Lord, you're the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And we love you because we love you, Lord. We're, we're here tonight to seek your heart, not your hand. Lord, we bless your name. We praise you. And I ask that as we open our, 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 our hearts and our minds to your word, Lord, that you'll come on in, you'll speak to us, and tell us what we need to hear this evening. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. All right, well, God is able, so let's look at a few things here. The first thing we're going to talk about is this. Number one, you have to trust him. Trust him. And you're like, well, yeah, duh. I do. Well, do you? Do you? Or do you just say that? Because I've found out a lot of the people that I'm talking to, they'll say all day long, yes, I trust him. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, when you really peel back the layers of the onion, they're not really trusting him. They're just saying it. They're just acknowledging with their mind, but their trust is not 
and God alone. It's in a lot of other things. And then God's an added benefit. But I'm telling you what, he's got to be number one. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bible tonight to Genesis chapter 15. I'm not putting the actual verses on the screen. I'll just put the reference up there for you tonight so you can take notes and follow along. But Genesis 15, and this is a story about Abraham. Now, Abraham was a good, righteous man. In fact, he was the first tither uh, recorded in Scripture. There was no law to tell him to do it. He just did it because it was in his heart. That's a pretty big deal. He wasn't commanded to do it. He just he knew God had blessed him. And so he gave a tenth of what he had uh, to the high priest Melchizedek. But here we are. And uh, and and the Lord had made Abraham very wealthy, very, very rich man. But the problem that Abraham had, if you're familiar, is that he had no children to leave it to. And there's no bigger of an insult to uh, especially to any man, but to a Jewish man than to have no heir to have nobody to pass on these things to. I mean, what's the point in having all of it if you're just going to die and then it's going to, you know, nothing's going to happen with it. And so here he was. He wanted more than anything to have a son. You know this much. And he didn't want to leave all of his wealth and his things to just some servant or employee. But that's where he was at. He's like, well, I, I'm not going to have a son, so I'm just going to have to pick one of my employees or servants to leave my things to. But look what happens here in Genesis 15, verses 3 through 6. It says, and I'm in the New Living tonight. He says, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Well, of course, nobody can do that. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, thing to talk about right there when you're about 100 years old and you don't have any kids. And God says, not only are you going to have a kid, you're going to have more descendants than you can count stars in the sky. So the natural reaction is something like that would be, you wouldn't even use the word, you would just make that noise. I mean, you, you, there's no word that you would use. I'm 100 years old. I don't even have one kid. You're telling me I'm going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. That's all you could do. But look at this. No. Verse 6. No hesitation. It just goes right into this. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So here he was, nearly 100, and his wife's not doing much better. She's 90. And God says, you're going to have kids. Congratulations. Oh, you know, and it's a big and, and there and all this stuff. And Abraham doesn't bat an eye. He doesn't say he just says, wow. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you know, thank you, Lord, at least. And so here he is. And he just believes the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, we know that physically speaking, this is pretty much the closest thing to impossible that we can get to. But God gave them this miracle. Why? What am I talking about right now? My first point is trust him. And that's what Abraham did. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith. Why? Because Abram trusted in the Lord. Now let's look at the New Testament rendition of this in Romans chapter 4. This is what the New Testament records about Abraham. i got quite a bit of scriptures tonight, so you're just going to have to get quick with the fingers. Writing this stuff down, flipping to it. Romans chapter 4, we'll look at verses 20 through 21. 
But I love this story, how God says, look, look at these stars. You're going to have more descendants than all of this. Abraham comes crying to God, man, I've got all this stuff, but I don't got no one to leave it to. I'm going to leave it to one of my employees. And God says, no, you're not. Stop that. No, you're going to have a son to leave it to. And on top of that, you'll have more descendants than stars in the sky. And Abraham just, he, he believes God. But Romans chapter 4 Verses 20 through 21, it sheds the New Testament light on this. Verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Wow, never wavered. My goodness. In fact, in fact, his faith grew stronger. A lot of us, when we don't see it after 30 seconds, our faith gets weaker. A lot of us, when we don't see it after one day, man, I prayed for a whole day and it's still nothing. Nothing's changed. Well, it may take God more than one day to overcome 20 years of bad habits, of bad words, of doubt and unbelief. Give him more than a day. But here we are. It says, in fact, the, the longer it went, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Why is that? Well, verse 21, it says, he was fully convinced that God is able. That's my title. He is fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Man, that's good news. That is really good. What if this Bible was full of promises from God, but he wasn't really able to do them? What a bad shape we'd be in. What if God promised all these great things? Like, man, that's beautiful. I can have peace. I can have joy. I can have salvation. I can have restoration. I can be delivered from addiction. Oh, wait a minute. It says all that, but God's not really able to do any of it. Oh, jeez. I mean, what would, where would we be if God was not able? But thank God, we're like Abraham. We're fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So realize that the Bible is full of promises to us. And it's up to you to trust that God is able to fulfill these promises. You got financial problems? Well, he promised to provide for your needs. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not according to the stock market, not according to what the United States economy is, or the, the unemployment rate. You know, it's at it's a 6%. Who cares? I'm not looking to them. I'm looking to God. And my God promised that he'd supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, I'm scared. It's getting dangerous out there. Well, Psalm 91.11 says he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. That's a promise from God. You don't think he can? He doesn't have the goods to back it up now because it's 2018? He's got the goods. He's, uh, he never changed. We changed. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he didn't change. What changed? One of us. We changed. But the truth is, is that we can't change. We need to be like Abraham and say, well, hey, the longer it took, the longer my, the stronger my faith gets. I'm just going to keep believing God because I'm fully convinced. Well, I'm feeling sick these days. I don't feel too good. Thank God Matthew 8, 17 says he took our sickness and removed our disease. First Peter 2, 24 says that by Jesus' stripes we were healed. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Come on, that's good stuff right there. So the Bible's full of the promises. We just have a, there's no shortage of promises. There's a shortage of people that actually trust God. But well, well, if it says all this, why don't we see more of it? Because we don't see people trusting God. We need people that will put God as option A. 
Not option B, C, D, E, F, G. We need, we need God to truly be our first source. So whatever it is you need, you have to trust that if God said you can have it, He's able to keep His promise. He is able to keep His end of the deal. Who believes that God is at least able? If His word said it, He did not just put it in there because He needed to fill up some more pages to make a really big book. No. He is able to keep his promise. Now, the trouble we have is, is that oftentimes we've been let down by people so much that we lump God into the same category. You ever had somebody promise you something that you knew they weren't really able to do? But they promise, like, hey man, you know, especially romantically, oh baby, hey, I'll th- you want the moon? I'll throw, I was watching It's a Wonderful Life the other day. You know, it's kind of silly, they're out there, you know, the, you want the moon? I'll throw a laugh so around and bring it down to you. Like, come on, Jimmy? Or, or uh, uh, Bailey, you can't, George Bailey, you can't do that. That's, that, you know, that's hogwash. But, you know, people promise things that they aren't really able to do. But I can tell you this, anything that God promised, he is able to do it. There's nothing in there that he promised that he is not actually able to do. God, there's no uh, place in the Bible where God just exaggerated. Because exaggeration, if you really want to get down to it, that's a little bit of a fib, isn't it? A little bit of a lie. You caught the fish this big, but you tell all your friends it was this big. You're stretching the truth just a little. Really, that's a lie. And God cannot lie, Titus 1, 2. God, it's not that God won't lie. God, literally, God cannot lie. He couldn't do it because he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no, there's no lying in him. And so... If he promised it in his word, he really can do it. So, and you know, Numbers twenty three nineteen. you could just write that down. It says, God is not a man, he cannot lie. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not human, so he does not lie. People lie everywhere. People that you trusted have lied to you. God does not lie. He's not a person. God does not lie. Numbers twenty three nineteen. Or maybe you've had somebody promise you something that they were able to do, but in the end, they didn't keep their word. You ever had that? Sure you have. We all have. We've had somebody promise something. We were really counting on it, but they didn't come through for us in the end. Well, with God's promises, he does come through. But the issue is, a lot of times, he will give us. We have a part to play in it. You know, for instance, sometimes in the New Testament, God said, hey, your sins are forgiven. You're, you're cleansed. Go wash in the go wash in the river. Go wash in the... So, you know, something like that where God gave you some instructions to do and then the healing would come or then the blessing would come or and then the answer would come. And a lot of times we don't want to do our part. Maybe God has spoken something to your heart and you're sitting here like, God, come on, just let it fall on me. You know, they say it fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. You don't have to put a lot of evidence. The cherries, when they're ripe, they just fall. You go pick them up. It's easy. It's not that hard to do. But talking about other fruit, apples or something, or, or potatoes or whatever, you gotta, you got to actually dig a little. you got to actually put a little effort in. God made it happen. God answered. But then he told you, hey, I want you to get out there and I want you to go do this. And then, boom, it's going to happen. A lot of times, God did provide the answer, but we didn't obey what his word asked us to do or what? He told us, to, God, I don't know why you're not rebuking the devourer for my sake. Well, I know. Come on. You don't tithe. You don't qualify for that. Well, God, I don't know why everyone's so mean to me. Nobody treats me. Nobody likes me. 
Well, love your neighbor as yourself. You're mean to everybody. And then you're expecting them to be nice to you. You're sowing bad seeds. Come on. You got to, God gave you, you have a, a part to play in the promises of God. And if you're not doing your part, you don't blame God. Say, so, well, he didn't do his part. No, he provided it. He, he came up. He held his end of the deal. You're the one that broke your end of the deal. And so that's something for you to consider. So with God's promises, there's usually something required from us to get the promise. Amen. But I know this much. All of God's promises are activated by faith. You do have to trust him. You do have to actually believe that he's able and willing to do it. All of the promises are activated by faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, number one, God is able. No doubt about it. You got to trust him. Number one. Number two, he's got a proven track record. Can I get an amen on that? He's he's doing pretty good. He's got a pretty reliable record here. I bet every single one of us in this room could tell of a time that God has come through and rescued us out of a bad situation. Sometimes we didn't bring it on ourselves. We didn't deserve it, but it happened. Now, sometimes I've brought bad things upon myself. And hey, I'll admit it. The devil didn't do it. I did it. Or sometimes I opened the door to the God didn't do it. I did something dumb and brought pain upon myself. That has happened. But there have been times where pain has come. Trouble has come, and I I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything, but hey, it still came. But guess what? I can tell a million times that the Lord has come through for me, and you could too. But think about this. We're talking about God as a proven track record. Say I'm going to go select a new doctor. Hey, I want some references. I want to know his track record. What if you're like, well, let's look look at, uh, you know, we got A, B, and C here. Wait a minute. This guy, 90% of the patients he sees don't make it. Would you want that guy? No. I mean, or <laughs> I would want someone that has a, a great track record where the people make it. They're happy. They love him and everything goes good. But a lot of Christians you talk to, you'd think that 90 percent of the patients that see God don't make it. Well, I know so and so they're trusting. They didn't make it, man. I'm sorry. All I know is God's word says to trust him. And I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to believe him. But God has a proven track record. Let's look at 1st John 3:8. 1st John 3:8. Who's glad they came tonight? Amen. That turkey, it's going to be good. I promise you that. I promise you that. But the word of God's even better, isn't it? So 1st John 3:8. Again, we got a lot of verses we're going to look at here. First John 3, 8, it says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Well, don't say that. It's 2018. You keep sinning, you know, belong to the devil. I didn't say it. John said it. The Word of God said it. It's not my words. But anyway, why do, why do they belong to the devil? Well, he's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God, here's what I'm getting at. Here's the main thing I'm getting at. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Come on. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so if there's a work of the devil going on in my life, God has a proven track record. Jesus has a proven track record of coming in and just boom, 
destroying the works of the devil. Well, brother, what are the works of the devil? Well, write it down. John 10, 10. John 10, 10. Jesus said the thief's purpose, the devil, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, but, but I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. And so according to Jesus himself, what are the works of the devil? Well, stealing, killing and destroying. So if some, if some gets stolen from me, wait a minute, did, did God steal this money from me? Well, I know God didn't do it. He had no part in it. God's not out stealing from people. He's out trying to restore people and, and, and deliver them. Well, killing, stealing. Well, man, my life's destroyed. Man, my marriage is destroyed. I wonder if God did this to me. God's not out destroying marriages. The devil is. God's out restoring marriages. Well, I wonder if God made my kids hate me. No, God didn't do it. God's out turning the, the, the hearts of the sons to the fathers and the fathers to the sons. No, it wasn't God. And so you have to realize what the works of the devil are. And so if stealing, killing, and destroying is taking place in your life, well, it's not that hard to see that that's not Jesus doing that to you. Those are works of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he has a very good track record of doing that to people that will submit themselves to him. Now, he's not going to force himself in and just, hey, I know you don't, I know you don't believe in me, but I'm here. I'm going to come in. I'm going to clean your entire life up. I know you don't want it. I know you're not believing me for it. And I know you don't believe in it, but I, here I am. I'm going to force my healing and salvation and peace upon you, even though you don't believe in any of it. He's not going to force himself in there, but to those that will submit themselves to God, James 4, 7, yeah, he's going to come in, destroy the works of the devil, and, you know, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So here's a question for you tonight. Of the many, many sick and hurting people that came to Jesus in the Bible, look Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Gospels, out of all those people that came to him for help, for healing, for peace, those that actually came to him, how many did not receive help out of the four Gospels? The answer is zero. Every single person that came to Jesus believing received help. That's something to think about right there. So like, here I am in a bad state. Well, I wonder if God wants to help me. Well, the track record says yes. The track record of what we have here says yes, he does. Acts 10.38. Let's look there. Acts 10.38. Well, I'm in this spot, but I just don't know if the Lord wants to help me out of it. Well, if it's of the devil, he wants to help you out of it. Absolutely. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10 and verse 38. What a good verse this is. Acts 10 and verse 38. But you, you need to realize that, man, God's for you. He's not against you. God is for you. And he wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you overcome. Acts 10 38, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and power. Then Jesus went around doing good. And healing a lot of the people who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. No, it says, he healed all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, I know a lot of people, they try to interpret the Bible through their personal experience, rather than just interpreting it through itself. 
Well, I know it says all, but it couldn't mean that because I know some people that prayed and didn't get the answer. Well, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not going to blame God and say that it was on his end. Because here we have it yet again. It says he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so all means all. A-L-L, all. And it means everyone, everybody. All who were oppressed in the devil. So you could start in the book of Matthew and count all the places where it says this phrase, and Jesus healed them all. Go ahead. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Count them. And Jesus healed them all. There's a lot of places right there. Jesus did not turn anybody down for help that came to him. You come to Jesus for help, he's going to answer. He's, he's going to. And he may give you instructions. He may say, yes, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He may go say, yes, go and do this. Yes, go and do and, and then it's up to you. But I promise you, Jesus isn't just going to give you the cold shoulder and say, yeah, I'm talking to you. No. Jesus, our Lord, is full of compassion, full of mercy. He's rich in love, slow to anger. But we have to realize that he's got a really good track record going for him. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants to fix your situation. Ephesians 3.20. Here's another one, man. Hey, we're tossing some good ones out to you tonight. Ephesians 3.20. Man, I've stood on this verse many times. And it's the truth. You think that well, I don't know if God really wants to wants to do much for me. Well, Ephesians 3.20, check this out. Ephesians 3.20. Then the King James, it says, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Exceedingly abundantly. And here in the New Living Translation, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able, there it is again, is able, he is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so you may think, something that you're thinking of that you need in your life, well, I know, man, I think this is a pretty big thing, though. That's fine, but it says that he's able to accomplish infinitely more than you could even ask or think. You may think you've got big dreams and visions for yourself. God's got bigger. You may think, well, I'm asking a lot of God right now. He's saying, you're not asking enough. Well, I don't want to exhaust heaven. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to tap God out. You, you think that he's so weak and so limited that you're going to tap out heaven's resources with your request? No. You're not asking, you're not asking big enough. You're not dreaming big enough. He's able to do infinitely more, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. You're lowballing it, man. God's got bigger things for you than you could even imagine. Well, how come most people don't reach that? Well, let's get back to Abraham. They don't trust him. They waver. They, they, they try to do things in their own ability. And God didn't say, I'll supply all of your needs through your riches and glory. He said, I'll supply all your needs through His riches and glory, through Christ Jesus. And a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, we are looking to ourselves, our own strength, our own resources, and our own ability. That's a dangerous trap to fall in. We cut God actually out of the equation sometimes altogether. And we wouldn't admit that out loud, but it's the truth. And so, he's willing, he's able, he's got the goods. you got to trust him. And so the third thing I'm going to say is this. We've seen that God is able. We've seen that he's got a good track record. But none of that matters if, number three, if he wouldn't be willing. But guess what? He is willing. 
God is willing to help you. God is willing to get you through this. It wouldn't do you any good to find the right doctor or mechanic if they're not actually willing to help you. Imagine you go to the doctor and tell him you're, you know, I've got these symptoms, this, this, and this. Doc, do you know what this actually is? Oh, yeah. It's exactly what, I know exactly what that is. I help people with that condition every single day. Oh, thank God. Can you help me? I'm able, but I'm not willing. I don't want to help you. What a doctor that would be. You mean you are able, you help people like this all the time, but you're just not willing to help me. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That'd be messed up. Yet a lot of people, they view God that way. Well, God, you did this for so-and-so, and God, this, this, and this. You helped all these people out. I just wish you were willing to help me too. He is willing. Because whether you believe it or not, God has no favorites. Romans 2, 1, Acts 10, 34. You don't have to turn there, but it tells you that God has no favorites. Romans 2, 1, and Acts 10, 34, and I've got more, but those are a couple that I jotted down there. That God, whether you think that you are God's favorite, you're not, or whether you think that somebody else is God's favorite, they are not. God loves all of us the same. It's just, then why do some people get more answered? Well, some people trust God a lot more. Some people decide that they're going to, you know, follow his word a lot more. But that doesn't mean that God loves them more. God has no favorites. And he's not going to say, yes, I helped Leanne. Yes, I helped Melinda. Yes, I helped Marcella. And I am able to help you, my child, but I am not willing to help you. What, what is that? Who thinks? I mean, that's awful. So here's the thing. A lot of people, they'll ask God to do something for them and then pray, if it be thy will. And then, you know, it's appropriate to pray that in some circumstances. But if God's word already says what his will is on the topic, you don't need to pray that. Lord, my brother, he's a sinner. And Lord, I know that he's not serving you. And Lord, he's headed straight for hell. If it be thy will. Save him. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Second Peter 3.9 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I know what God's will is in the situation. God wants your brother to come to repentance. God doesn't want your brother to perish and go to hell. Lord, if it be thy will, that's stupid. It already says what his will is. Now, there are some things that it doesn't tell you what his will is. It may not tell you, my will is for you to take this job at Fort Irwin. But it may not say that, in the, but you've got a good opportunity. Well, you pray, Lord, if it's your will for me to take this, Lord, I want you to tell me. And I want you to, you know, to show me that I'm supposed to take this job. But some things you don't need to pray if it be thy will. He already told you what his will is. Let's look at Matthew 8, 2 through 3. Matthew 8, 2 through 3. Amen. And so there are some things that we don't know God's will on if the Bible doesn't straight up tell you what his will is on that. But there are some things that it straight up tells you what his will is. And so I don't need to say, well, Lord, is it your will to protect me and my family? Is it your will that my children should serve you? Is it my will? Is it your will that I should have a good marriage? Is it your will to supply my needs? It, he already told you it's his will. In fact, again, Third John 2, if you're talking about supplying for your needs, he says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. 
even as your soul prospers. So you don't have to sit there and wonder, Lord, do you want me and my children to starve? Or if it be, is it your will for us to be provided for? He already said it. But Matthew 8, 2 through 3, here's one of many examples in the Gospels. It says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing or if it be your will, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. You will not find, I promise you, you will not find one time out of the four Gospels because I've read all of them and looked for it. But go ahead. You cannot find one time in the four Gospels where somebody came up and said, Jesus, if you are willing, you could heal me. And he said, nope, I'm not willing. Nope, not my will, not for you. There's not one recorded time in the four Gospels where Jesus said, it is not my will to help you. Not one. Why do we think that Jesus changed? Is Hebrews 13:8 true? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or did Jesus, for that period of time, he was different than the Jesus of 2018. The Jesus of 30 AD, the Jesus of 28 AD was a Jesus that wanted to help everybody that came to him. But not now, because he changed. No, Jesus did not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, there's many recorded instances where the Lord said, I am God, I change not. So thank God he didn't change. He didn't need to change. There are some things that, you know, we're so brilliant in 2018. We're the smartest people of all time. We've got these little phones and addictive devices that we carry in our pockets everywhere, but they need updated every week. Every few days I get an update, iOS 5000.21, whatever it is. Is ready for an update. You better do it or you're going to be the, you're, you'll be the, you know, you'll be the loser on the block because everybody else got the update. I thought this thing was supposed to be a genius, but they keep finding things wrong with it. They keep finding ways to improve it. The word of God has never needed improved in thousands of years. Why would God change? He doesn't need to. We need to change. We need to update. But Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, has never needed an update because you can't update perfection. There's nowhere else to go. You can't get any better. And so if he says, I am God, I change not. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he kept telling these, I'm willing. Yes, I will help you. Yes, be healed. Yes, be restored. Yes, I am willing. Why would he go around telling everybody in 2008, well, I'm, I'm not willing. You need to quit interpreting God's word through your circumstances and your experiences. If my experience came out different than the word of God, I'm not going to say, well, God's word must not be true. I'm going to say, well, something went wrong, but it wasn't the word. Some, something's lying, but it's not God's word. Anything contrary to God's word is a lie. And so that's something for us to look at. But in our lives tonight, realize the good news is I'm not just going to sit here and say, God is able to heal you. God is able to restore you. God is able to fix your situation. The good news, the gospel, is that God is willing to help you. All who call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved, Romans 10.13. You need to call upon the name of the Lord. It didn't say those that are God really likes, people with curly hair, people that are brown, people that are white, people that... No, it says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that's something that I want us to focus on. And I want you to realize that if God's word said you could have it, you can have it. Because it's God's written will. It's his word is his will. What if, you know, you had a a relative pass away and in their will, they said, I want my house at such and such address to go to, you know, to go to to this person right here. And then you're sitting there, everyone's, they they got the will right there. They've got the written will. It's, you know, it's it's certified. It's, you know, a, a notary and all this stuff. It's legal as can be. And we're reading the will. Okay, it says right here, the house goes to so-and-so. It says right here, this goes to this and this goes to this. Okay, man, I wonder wonder who the house goes to. Who did he really want to have the house? Well, it's in his written will. I mean, he left it there for a reason. And then everyone's arguing, I know, but, but would he have really wanted that? Did, I mean, is it his will for him to have this house? Man, he wrote it. He put it in, he put it in black and white. He took it to the Lord. Yes! You don't have to sit there and wonder if it's His will, if His will is written and it says it right there. You don't have to wonder. I'll save you a whole lot of headache and a whole lot of sorrow and trial and beating your head against the wall. If God's Word promised it, you can have it. The Father wants you to have it. If His Word says it. I was thinking about one time when Isaac was a little guy. I gave him a piece of candy and some, you know, well-meaning, good-intentioned adult came up and said, hey, you can't have that. He's like, whoa, time out. My dad gave this to me. You know, I'm not being mean. I want the kids to be respectful. But listen, my dad gave this to me. And a lot of you, your dad gave you something. Your father, he said, man, I've delivered you from this. And then someone comes along and says, you can't have that. The devil comes and says, who do you think you are? You can't have that. You need to have as much sense as a three-year-old and say, whoa, no, time out. My dad gave this to me. He wants me to have it, and you can't have it. But a lot of times we're like, oh, you're okay here. We just give it away. We give our healing away. We give our peace away. We give our joy away. We give our deliverance and restoration away. And we're like, well, they said I couldn't have it. Wait a minute. What did God say? What did your father say? He's the one that gave it to you in the first place. I like that old song, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. God gave it to me and you didn't give it to me. and You can't take it away. God gave it to me. And you need to at least have as much sense as a little kid has. When they really know, I, I respect you, but my father gave this to me. He wants me to have it, so I can have it. You need to get a hold of that, amen? And so as we approach Thanksgiving and everything else tomorrow, be thankful for what God's done, but realize, if his word said, I want to supply all your needs, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If his word said that you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, you can have it. You just got to trust him like Abraham did.
Amen. God is able, but he's also willing. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.